0: I think confidence is a lifestyle more than like a constant state, you know? I know how yes. to take myself to a confident state if I need to be, if I need to be confident. Oh.
1: Okay, hold on. Help us. Welcome to the Court of guard podcast, the podcast where no topic is off-limits. My name is Patricia Bright. I'm a content creator on YouTube, a self-proclaimed entrepreneur and founder of The Break Platform. On this podcast, we're going to have some amazing and successful guests who are all trailblazers in their own individual field, from models to business owners, to founders, experts and influencers like myself, I'm going to find out what it's like to be them, what makes them tick, laugh and how they got to where they are. And I'm even going to be brave enough to ask them what's in their wallet. As they say, honesty is the best policy and hopefully you're about to be caught off guard. In this week's episode, we will be talking to the French queen, Freddie Harrell, who went from working at Topshop to securing $2 million in funding for her company, Rad Swan. This episode is all about confidence confidence in yourself, your style, your ideas, your relationships, and how actually seeing other people do well can actually give you your own confidence that it's possible for you. We also talk about the changing career landscape from being made redundant to also hating your job, because both of us have dealt with that. Freddie shares some amazing stories, including how she secured millions for her business, and she offers practical tips for people looking to get funding. I love this conversation so much, and I think you guys are going to as well. You're going to want to take notes on this one, and if you enjoy this, I want you to share it with someone and rate and review in Apple Podcasts. Enjoy. Hello everyone and a welcome to the Court of God podcast. I'm your host here Patricia Bright and I'm very excited as I always am to have an amazing guest. We have the gorgeous, talented, smart, multifaceted Freddie Harrell today. Freddie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you on. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. No, honestly, thank you so much. I am great. I have my cup
0: of tea. Sorry, I had to say that because like, yeah. you know, like I've been watching your videos. Yeah. <laughs> so I have
1: my cup of tea. I'm sitting comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> I have an empty wine glass with me. <laughs> I don't know why. I think I was going to like top it up, but do you know, what? it's too early in the morning for wine. So it's fine. Maybe later. I think this is you from last night. <laughs> I feel like Freddie is like a more successful personality twin of me, right? I think we're quite similar. We're quite confident. We black, you know, we're out here really trying to like hustle and do a lot of things. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Freddie because her bio is amazing. She's recently been able to raise $2 million in seed funding. And I think I really want to get into that. So I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Freddie. Freddie is an entrepreneur, Instagrammer, former blogger at I Go By Frankie and the founder of Rad Swan a conscious beauty brand built with and for the global African diaspora in mind. Ahead of launching Rad Swan, which started as a hair company, big hair, no care. And what I think is amazing is we both started off with hair companies. (laughs) Um, Freddie raised $2 million in funding from an all-female investor group. Freddie is currently... On the Founders Fund Accelerator program, this is major as she's one of the few black women to have ever raised over a million dollars in funding. Women account for around 7% of investment made from VCs. Further to this, in 2017, only 0.2% of all funding went to black female founders. Outside of this, her achievements include holding multiple degrees, including an MBA, being a TEDx speaker, and being named Influencer of the Year in 2018 by Cosmopolitan UK. Like me, she started her career in finance, but then pivoted into working in the creative sector, where she worked in digital sales and marketing. Looking at Freddie's amazing bio, one thing is clear, she is multifaceted, enjoys a reinvention, and does not want to be defined by one thing. Freddie, you are an amazing success. You are doing bits. Your um, bio is, is, is amazing. (laughs) I love it. So thank you for coming (laughs) on the podcast today. I really want to get into so many different things with you. And we do have our different sections that we have within this podcast. Right. So this section here is called the eye shaker. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions that I hope will maybe make you feel a little bit like Uh, but nothing too, nothing too harsh, nothing too intense, okay? Hit me. (laughs) Do you think men are the root of our problems as women when it comes to confidence, or is it the other women? To be honest,
0: I think it's both. I really don't see it as more as a man or woman thing. I just think it's just people. It's like people, it's what they think, what they say, their opinions. And, you know, I think it's all of this that just make us feel insecure, just worried. Um,
1: to just be ourselves so basically other humans <laughs> yes
0: <laughs>
1: it's confidence about how you feel or what you project i think
0: confidence starts with probably like what you project and then hopefully follows up with how you feel like for me it's really like i think sometimes you really have to start by faking it you know like you're going somewhere like you have to really like deliver Maybe, you you know, you need to start by tricking yourself into thinking you can do it, that you're about it, and then hopefully it's going to come.
1: Yeah, I can totally agree. The $2 million question. Why do you think it's so hard for women to get investment in their businesses?
0: So first of all, well, I think that, you know, we live in a man's world. <laughs> we live in a society that is that was built by men, so it's harder for women. But I also think that a lot of it is, you know, like the lack of confidence, like and lack of representation, not really often seeing other women or hearing about other people and their journey. I think that sometimes we also think that entrepreneurship is, you know, really reserved for the very smart, super like, you know, like book smart people and, you know, like it makes it look very inaccessible and it's just... Yeah, I think that women like we don't tend to really speak highly of ourselves naturally. Like we have to work at it. For me, that's a very strong factor as to why we don't raise as much money. It's like we also don't ask, we're too afraid to ask for it. And men yeah. are the contrary. <laughs> Honestly,
1: we we're gonna get into this, girl. <laughs> so you said before, I'm a woman before I am black, I'm Freddie, Freddie Harrell. I love that. Who would you say Freddie Harrell is? That's the two million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> <Honestly>. oh wow
0: <laughs> okay i think i'm like still answering this question and i think that's what the journey is about but it's really like having an open mind uh you know like freddie Howell is a lot of things
1: <laughs> what i discovered is that she's a lot more than what i thought i love that amazing okay so let's start getting into it let's start off with your educational journey because You've got an MBA. You were born in France. Just tell me a little bit about your background and then how you've kind of developed via your education and career. I was born and raised in Paris, actually in the Northern suburbs of Paris. I'm not an actual
0: real Parisian. I moved to London when I was 24, so almost 10 years ago. Then in terms of education, I studied. So in Paris, I did a business school after my back, which is like your A-level. I did like a scientific section and then I went to business school which is kind of like, you know, like the fast track way to try to be successful. Like it's, it costs a okay. lot of money because, you know, in France, university is free and trying right. to like, opting to do a business school is like very, very expensive, but like you're more likely to have, like fine find jobs at the end. So I did one first and I graduated with a master in finance. I started working in La Défense, which is like the French city in hedge funds, risk management. It sounds so weird for like, but I think after a year and a half, I just realized that I was not going to really go further and I was very ambitious. But because I didn't have the interest, like I didn't want to read about it outside of work, Uh, you know, it just, I knew that I would just store somewhere. So I went back to school because in France, it's not like in the UK where you can just like switch career. No, you have to go back to school so your diploma matches the job you want to do. Oh, really? So, wow. Oh, it's yeah. like, it's, yeah, like if I had been British, I wouldn't have gone back. But hey, everything happens for a reason. So, no, I went back and I did an MBA in e business. It was like at the very beginning, this was in 2010. So, like, we, uh, y- y- you know, like we learned digital marketing. It was even before, I think, I don't know if even like Facebook was just new. And yeah, right, like, okay. like really, yeah, it was focused on e-commerce and, you know, online biz- online businesses, which was like very, uh, so I just love the geek uh, aspect to it because it was like kind of new. Not long after I moved to
1: England. Hearing this, right, you basically, you went to university, you then studied, you went to business school, you started working a career, you're like, this career isn't for me. You went back to school to study again and then... Was able to go into another form of career, but all before you were twenty four, or wait, you were around twenty four. That is insane. <laughs> that is a lot of work done prior to even starting your real career. You almost had work experience before you had work experience. You're right. Actually, I think the first
0: time I graduated around twenty one because I was earlier or so at school. So like I, I was okay. very good growing up at school. So yeah, I just like like finished school younger, and yeah, and then.
1: Yeah, somehow, like it sounds like it was quite quick. It's true. So, you moved to London and then you started working because I remember meeting and catching up with you. When I met you, I was at Topshop, which was this,
0: yeah. Like, yeah, which was this career. Yeah, no, actually. So when I moved to London, so you know to, sorry, to go back. Like I had actually worked in London, like summer internship at Bloomberg when okay. I was in banking. And I really loved London and I wanted to come back. So that's why okay. I also wanted to to be back here. And now when I was here, I worked in digital marketing first. So I worked for ASOS, but then I, I worked at Topshop. That's when I met you because well. it was oh, at, yes. the Top Shop, okay. uh, at the Topshop Fashion Week show. Yeah. And then after that, I changed career again and that's when i moved back to asos but as a stylist this time i'm
1: just like damn so you've lived a hundred different careers right and i think that's okay it's all right to try different things to see what you like you know i had the background in finance you know i was there for five years five years Uh, and i didn't like it and then i felt quite embarrassed to be able to move i think it's so important to know that it's okay have a number of different careers and test things out, try things out. I think sometimes people feel embarrassed when they're moving a lot, but you have to almost find your feet and decide what actually works for you. So when did you end up leaving and then your career job, and then you start working for yourself? That was your next move, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, no, it was the next move because at this stage, you know, <laughs> what it, are you going to do if you don't like it? No, you know, like when I, I didn't like finance and when I moved to digital marketing, it was already like hard, you know, in in my head, I wanted to be initially like a trader and, you know, do those jobs that make you look very smart. And so everyone knows, you know, like you're smart and digital marketing was sort of like the compromise. So I wasn't, it wasn't really creative. I was doing the Excel spreadsheet marketing, not the fun marketing. And then that's when I was just like, I want something cooler. I'm always around clothes. And I thought, you know, I'm still young, so I might as well do those changes now because my thinking is always, if you're not happy, you're just going to cap somewhere. And, you know, like even if it's in 10 years, but if you are happy, then is the limit. So for me, it's like, it's always worth it to keep on looking for what you want. I became a personal stylist for ASOS and I wasn't sure I really liked it. It was kind of like blogging full time. And then I wanted to do something more around confidence and like working with women because a lot of people online at this stage, you know, I had a bit of a following and people really thought different of me. They thought I was this sort of like super badass and confident. And that was something I was actively working on. So I wanted to work with them, like, you know, to do something, but also be very honest. I am not, but I have some <laughs> tricks. So that was that. But then really what pushed me is that after uh, this At that job at ASOS, I was like, where am I going to have something that's going to pay me and that's going to satisfy me? But you know, like the universe was like, don't answer this question
1: just because I was just sacked. (laughs) So then I was just like thrown out there. So I just had to make it happen. (laughs) Do you know what's so funny, right? I've been sacked, okay? I was made redundant. And sometimes I think that we think that the world is going to end, it comes crashing around us. But you don't realize that sometimes being fired, that redundancy is actually the thing that will like switch your life and change things up in a way that you might not have expected. So it's not the worst thing. It was the making of me. That's what happens sometimes when you're working a career that you almost have to kind of constrain yourself. And if you kind of step out, sometimes they don't like it. People up above don't like it. And you're like, you know, i got to be myself or I have to fit into this form. And it's hard for certain personality types. And I'm presuming you're that personality type.
0: (laughs) I am, absolutely. No, it's very hard. I have to be me. And I'm like a very normal, nice person. I think like some, and I think you're similar to me, kind of like introvert, awkward person. And it's hard to spend the whole day with in big buildings with a lot of
1: people and, you know, and just be normal it's... okay so actually i want to make reference to the fact that you're french right and i don't know if you've been watching emily in paris or if you yes, um... it whether or not you despise it or whether or not you like it but the french are known for being quite direct quite forward with their um with their opinions right do you did you find that you're do you find that you're that kind of person and that you brought that to the work culture in the uk and maybe that could have been a little bit difficult for people? Definitely. So I think maybe
0: more at the beginning, I think like now, like the British have really softened me. I think more like blunt, but I think that sometimes also the combination of being black, you know, it's like, just like why are you searching yourself? But like, first of all, and then your <laughs> French accent and you're and uh... like very like direct.
1: That is not the best uh, mix. But yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's being African then being black, then being French, all mixed into one. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> they were not ready. But yeah, it's that's that's amazing to hear. But I think it's really important that people do feel like they can be themselves when they're in a career. And they do want to work on being confident, but you also know how to have to know how to like balance and yeah. code switch as they say. Exactly. So what advice would you give to anyone who might be working in like a career? where they feel like they can't necessarily be themselves or be confident. Honestly, I would say to this person, if, like, usually, like, there's other
0: issues as well with this job. Like, if it's, you know, it's not just feeling stifled. It's also, there's usually other things. And sometimes you really have to ask yourself, does that make me happy? Does that fulfil me? It's true that, you know, we don't have, All have the privilege to switch careers, you know, like bills have to be paid, things have to be done. But always think long term. I really think that if you're doing something that is natural to you, that makes you happy, you're only going to be more successful. So if you can't be yourself, for me, like that's the reason why I left banking. It's very simple. You know, I I worked in banking, you know, at the time I had discovered ASOS, you know, as a French person, it was so wild because you guys were (laughs) all of the colours and I was going to work, like, to bank with my, like, purple heels and my dresses and stuff. And, and you know, like, and everyone there was making me feel, you know, like I was dumb, that, you know, that I wasn't. Yeah. And, you know, like, I can't change. I'm not going to just, like, dress all black every day so you guys can accept me. So this, on top of not liking the, you know, where I was going, it's just like, this is a sign. Just
1: everything that is, that feels like a block, look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Do you know what, that this is, maybe this is a fashion girl's problem or creative girl's problem. I had the exact same thing. I used to say that when I worked in a city, my life felt like it was in black and white and gray. And I was the person I came in and I'd be wearing like colorful outfits and the looks I would get, and I would be told by people, like you're not really serious like or you work in hr or like eh, you don't really care or they would think i'm like an assistant or something and not that there's anything wrong with being an assistant yeah but i was in prime brokerage technology and they were like who the hell is she and i always felt like i just can't live my life like this because i didn't even want to wear the clothes that they were wearing and that's that's so shallow but it was true honestly like you see the limit i have this manager who was a woman
0: and you know i worked in middle office and front office is where you have all of the traders which is like a separate room and you know like all you want to do is like to be into that room and my manager a woman would tell me Freddie, i was going to take you to front office today but i'm not because of the way you're dressed because i think you're going to distract everyone in that room you know like <laughs> my manager a woman
1: <laughs> you oh know oh my gosh can you see that
0: and you could see, like, my big boss was a woman as well. And, like, you could see that she had to to adapt the to adapt the men's codes to even make, uh, you know, like, to survive. So she was not a great type yeah, of some, person.
1: Yeah, sometimes you have to, like, you had to become more masculine and adapt and, like, shrink yeah. yourself to, like, not shine too much. But some people are naturally shiny. So <laughs> it is what it is. Okay, so you've got this interesting theory that women are made up of different, multiple versions of ourselves. And that explains why we are the way we are. Can you kind of talk about that theory a little bit more? Because I always say this, like, we as women, we're, like, multifaceted, like diamonds, like, we, we, there's so many different sides to us. Could you share? For me, I've always felt, like, the biggest issue I had with myself was that there was...
0: That we didn't agree inside. You know, like there's this one who wants to do this, the other one stopping her. This one thing, you can do this, the other one, no. And that also, I think at the time, that's also how I made peace with the fact that I was so many things you know like you, you like you try to fit in this box i try to be the smart banking girl and then like they're just like no because of the way you dress you're not so then like you try to be the excel spreadsheet girls in marketing but then you're surrounded with clothes and you're just like i want to do something with that it's just like this always those inner battles that we always have about like we don't let ourselves be like we don't even let ourselves form full thoughts about ourselves and like like so for me like the way out of this and that's just when i started my blog like years ago that was when mentally it was too much and i was very depressed at the time i wanted to make another career change and like i went to see a therapist and then like the first thing i said to her was that it's like there's a lot of people in my head a lot of friends they don't get along you need to help me and then because we approached this like that we were talking about these different people and i started my blog and I was trying to bring them out. That's kind of how this theory got uh, more solid. But really, yeah, we're all, I think we look at contradictions in ourselves. And we always, the first thing we think is like, there's something wrong with me. We always look at things from a negative outlook, from a wicked outlook, you know, as if it comes from a wicked root. Instead of really we'll come in it, no, if it's if it's a
1: feeling that comes from me, it You know, like it is valid, it is a beautiful feeling. I just need to dig deep. I like a thousand percent agree. I had this tweet the other day. I was like, I feel like I'm the kind of person, I like everything. I think everything's great. Like I want to be involved in everything. I think about farming. I think about, you know, you know, I like Excel, but I also like fashion and I also like, you know, rock music and I also like drill music and I like all these things. And I think, how does one, how can someone, I don't know, be someone who has so many different aspects in them and i have a feeling that everyone's like this but maybe they suppress this like they f- almost say i'm going to have to just be this kind of person and think this way because i have to because of society 100% with you that's the thing i think it's the it's our natural state
0: like to be so multiple but society like, society is man made we're not and like whatever your beliefs are society has been invented by men so it has very 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 Many limitations. <laughs> Very, exactly. A lot of limited cracks. constraints. Yes. <laughs> yes. there's a lot of cracks in the system. So of course, like we're trying to shrink ourselves to fit. You know, like every time that you think and, and, and that's a belief I have to be really strong on myself is that, you know, oh it's too late. Oh, I'm not married, I don't have a child, I don't have this job, I don't I haven't saved because we always think it's too late. Why do we think it's too late? It's because we look at retirement. As if, like, this is, like, you know, like, when I reach retirement, that's it. It's like, you haven't done this at 30. Why is it bad? It's because you're supposed to be there at 65. But that's, like... Yeah, according to who? Yeah. That's man-made. That's society. Like, life doesn't answer to that. And you could live a much shorter life and a much longer life. And it's not about that. So that's the thing I'm always trying to think. Is like, time is man-made. Society is man-made. Productivity is man-made. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I kind of like trying to be productive. Like, oh, I always want to be too. more productive. But, <laughs> Same. Same. but yeah, no, a hundred percent. So, you know, you've definitely, I feel like you've worked on your confidence and you talked about confidence with other women. Do you think now that you're officially confident? And do you think people can ever really be really confident?
0: I think confidence is a lifestyle more than... Uh like, a constant state, you know? I know how to take myself to a confident state if I need to be. If I need to be
1: confident, I like, I know how to sort of, like, work towards it. And, and, you know, Okay, hold on. Help us. Help us. Tell us how you get yourself to a confident state because this would be really valuable. I journal a lot. I'm a very crazy person. If you
0: ask my husband, I have piles of books. I'm just, like... I just take everything that is in my head outside because I just feel, like... It's a lie if it's in your head and all lot the time it's a lie. I really feel like like when I write I make more sense. like I'm much more objective. there's no like there's no time for the like self-beating. It's almost impossible. Like when I write, I feel like you know I have all of the Freddies on my shoulders and they're like you know like giving their input <laughs> and that's how I find solutions. but I really and I'm also very um, organized with the way I go about it sometimes. If I feel lost, I would just be like, okay, why am I feeling blocked? I like literally write that. And then number one, I feel like this. And like everything, single thing that I feel and then like go for every feeling and just see, you know, and you debunk it. I'm just always like challenging like myself in that sense. Okay, you want to speak bad of me? You <laughs> know, you want to speak bad of yourself? I'm going to challenge you. Like, where, like why do you think this? But you can quickly not remember to do that. And that's when like I just feel completely lost, etc. cetera. So that's how I work myself to this point is by having this sort of like board meeting Like with myself, okay, what's up?
1: (laughs) So basically you get it out of your head, get it onto paper, and then you can actually rationalize. And off the back of that, it probably gives you a bit more confidence. Exactly.
0: I think as I write, this is, you know, like usually I write stuff and I don't really read them again because they've served the purpose. It's more like, honestly, it's different. And I know that you also like journal, I think, but it's different, like I cannot be, in my mind, I I can't be, you're lame, you're going to fail cannot possibly write it it's just I can't explain it I wouldn't be able to write this like you know yeah. something would be like yeah. would be much more objective and like you have the inner resources but like doing that is also need to be it also needs to be paired with being very hard with yourself on what makes you feel drained what makes you feel sad like social media a comparison a lot of this like you have to
1: yes. step
0: back completely step back yes. sometimes
1: cut yourself up and just be alone with yourself. Yeah, that's so powerful. No, honestly, I hundred percent agree. And I, do, I used to have tons of notebooks as well. So I just scribble I, or I have stacks of paper and write, write on pieces of paper anywhere I find it. But I got an iPad. Got an iPad, and I've got Good Note. And in Good Note, I just write all the time. And I've got my Apple Pen. It's game changing yeah. because if you get to the place where you're like, there's papers everywhere. This is yeah. what would happen to me. And then I would write things on a piece of paper. And it was really important. And then, you know, maybe my husband would throw it away. And I'm like, no, that's a thought. That's a really important thing that you've thrown away. Like, no. And so if it's all in my iPad, it doesn't go missing.
0: It's true. It's true, it's true. I just take photos otherwise, because
1: yeah, I have the same issues. But sometimes, yeah, because I, I tried. You can get this plastic thing that you put over the iPad and it's got the same texture as paper. So when you're writing on it, it feels like you're writing on paper. Now I love it. Game-changing for me. So you've done a lot of exploring and pivoting in your career. So again, you had their hair extensions company, which is very similar to the concept of my hair extensions company. I said to the producer, I feel like we're kind of personality twins and like the other alternative universes. So like you have a had a hair extensions company. And what was it called? And what was the ethos around that? It was called Big Hair No Care. But you know, like, you kind of, like, played your part in it, I would tell you as well. But, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, my God, I love it. But what I loved is it wasn't made of human hair, and it was all about the textures that you wanted. And I created white hair because I hated the fact that they would tell you, you know, buy hair based on a race, like Brazilian or Peruvian or Chinese or Indian. And I was like, just buy hair based on the texture, like, what texture do you want your hair to look like and just enjoy it? But anyway, <laughs> that's another thing. But you you've also pivoted and you've pivoted from the finance to the to the marketing to the styling to blogging to that and now this. How did you know that it was time for a pivot? And how did you feel confident enough to do that?
0: I don't think that I knew. Like, you know, it's just like now looking back, it's quite like good timing, but I didn't know. Like the thing that happened with like with the hair thing. It was kind of like an accident. So, you know, like, actually, like, when I moved to London years ago, I had to switch to natural hair, and I just wanted, like, you know, bigger hair and, like, wearing my afro. especially being in London, because being in Paris, you couldn't be this free. And in here, I just could be who I, want, who I wanted to be. So, yeah. And, uh, like, I, I used to buy, like, when lace wigs, like, human hair got trendy, because I'm such a geek, but I have no skills. I used to go on <laughs> hair forums in the early 2000s. That yeah, was me.
1: Like, I was on half worms.
0: Honestly, there was those girls like who were like you know like they could speak English, so they also knew like they were tours in the US and all of that, and they were and I had this contact with this supplier who was importing hair, and uh, so I had you know I had tried the lace for weeks in two, sorry, when I went to China, I went for a semester to study in China. I had saved $500 to buy this lace phone week. It was 2006, so there was no other tutorials and stuff. I said, it looked so easy. I looked, <laughs> and I was stuck in Shanghai, and then mind you, you can't buy hair there, even if it's China. <laughs> I think they only export it. And I had just like this horrible glue. I had to lie that uh... it was a skin reaction. It was awful. <laughs> so then I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and then I, I watched the documentary about good hair. And I kind of like really was yes. put off about natural like, human hair. So this woman that I had known, this supplier, because I buy my human hair from her, I asked her to create synthetic options for me and I sent her the photos and stuff. And then she would do, and I would just always just order from her. There was no minimum order. So I would have clippings and I had done like a lace wig and to make it really better than all of the other things, that was so complicated. I think this industry is so complicated. So it's like, complicated. The thing is, and also like we find hacks, and it's always about, hacks. it's always about finding methods. Like why, you know, we don't have the upgrade. Fast forward my workshops right after being like sacked a few months after. And I thought I was finally, this is my comeback. My husband got offered a job in Geneva out of the blue. And we were like, this is amazing for his career. Let's go. So, okay, I was like excited. I had never been to Geneva. And obviously I was just like, this is going to be difficult because I'm doing blog stuff. I went to see him for a weekend there. And then the whole time I had like panic attacks. I was just feeling so, but you know, we haven't even moved there yet. And at the time you had said that you were going to launch like a hair business, etc. And me coming from big corporation and having done an MBA business, my idea of starting a business is look at asos it seems so impossible it seems crazy you know and then i remember we were at the airport flying back to london and then that's when like you your video popped or something they were like oh this is my company and then you've announced it and i saw this and because like for me it was doable the website this you were like that's my work and at the time and i was like i said i said to him i was like can do something like this. And it was like, so just do it. And then literally, like we flew uh, on, on the plane, on the back end of the line, the whole way, I was like finding the name, big okay, and this, and
1: we could do this. And then like, just like rolled it out uh, straight away. <laughs> so this story, like I'm getting goosebumps. So I love this. And this is my theory, right? Literally everybody can do something, but they just need to see like one person, just a little step ahead of them, like, to see that they can do it, it almost gives them the confidence to like take that step. Even you, that raising capital, I'm like, oh, okay, that step. And how many more people will have that roll-on effect just by seeing it? And you know, even when I launched white hair, I didn't know what I was doing. This is nowadays everyone's got hair businesses, but at the time, I was like the only person who had like a hair company. It wasn't really a thing at all. Like no one had them, and I was just like just create a hair company and it came out of need as well and you also created what you created out of need so No, no,
0: honestly, like, like, you know, like, seeing you, like, doing you, that really, like, you know, like, it made it look so much more accessible, like, sometimes you make things in your head as they have to be so perfect and so big and so this and, you know, like, why bother if it's not going to look like ASOS on day two, you know, (laughs) or something like that. And, uh, yeah, so no, that's why it's
1: important to be you, do you, because it inspires people. I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about the money, raising capital and like where you're taking things to now, because I think people really want to um, understand this process that is often very much so closed. So you've actually reinvented now Big Hair into Rad Swan. Tell yeah. me about this. Tell me everything, how how you raised capital, how you came up with the idea. I know you haven't completely launched yet. Yeah. And... You know, things have changed, but you've got those fresh samples in. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting excited. Get get me into this. You know, when they launched, uh, like, Big Hair No Care, so, you know, initially I had designed this product for me. And
0: when I was blogging and I was wearing this, you know, I, like, I was never a hair person. I, I, I never blogged about hair. I expected about hair because I'm clueless. I, I'm not a killed and you know how like yes. like the black cards gets revoked automatically so, oh, you know, no, like, like, so i'm not vocal about this uh yeah. anyway <laughs> your edges are not laid <laughs> i don't even know how to do that i don't like anything <laughs> i'm just like this is going to be it you know, people were asking me, oh my God, is that all of your hair? Because it, it looked really natural. Is that all of your hair. How did you grow it? And I would never reply to these comments. But it was perfect timing when I thought about, like, when we had to move to Geneva, I was like, I know that people love this and they would be interested. So it was very quick to launch. At the beginning, I had my friends who, who had, like, their own websites where they were, like, hair supply shop online in the UK and, like, very well made. So we had the same values. And like so first, you know, I just created like quickly a website and I had the clippings. I was pregnant. I was in Geneva. Just, you know, we get in Geneva. I was like, let's have a baby. because I-, I couldn't work there, you know. It's not Europe. And also, let's just launch this business. And uh, so I sold via them, but was doing the community, da, da, da. And people, like, really liked it. And then I tried to launch it on my own. So I have my own site. That became a lot harder. And I wanted to do that before giving birth and I was delayed. It was so, but for me, I was so determined because I was so miserable in Geneva. I didn't have any friend. I was pregnant. I was sick. You know, I had hyperemesis. So that's when like, you're just constantly sick. You're like hospitalized and dehydrated. Yeah. Like my husband was like working crazy hours. Uh, I was just like not there, very busy. So, you know, for me, it was just like, if I make this, a success in my head I thought I could move back to London because then I can compete with his salary and then we can be like, you know, like we can justify living. so that was my thing but yeah you know I did pre-orders just like two weeks and that meant I never had to borrow money at the beginning because that's get us started to buy the first stock and then like we, we just kept selling out and then what made the difference is that when I moved like Shortly after opening it, because I'm very naive and very spontaneous and crazy, I was like, oh, the fulfillment company that we had, they kept messing up the orders and packing the wrong thing. And I was like, I'm going to do it myself. We're going to go to, I'm going to move back to London and, you know, I'm going to have an office and I can do it myself from the back. And then I wanted to have an office in Port Brixton and then I went there to visit. And then I was like, can I see your shops? Why? And they showed me and I was like, I want a shop. But the pop-up was great. Like could really, like the way we had done it, the way that I had done it was really same based as you, you know, simplifying the process. You know, it was very, we, we had step one, pick a style, step two, pick a color, step three, it was very straightforward. I closed after three months. I was like, I'm not doing this. It was so hard. No, we did that. Then I did, we did a pop-up like this in Paris. And then funny enough, the US is where the most of my um following is, like 40% of my audience is in the US. So the US was already was always big and they would shop from the US, uh, from the UK side. And but then when we launched in summer 2018, we did a pop-up in Brooklyn and then launched straight away a US website. That was it. Couldn't couldn't keep up, you know. It was like a side hustle. And the supplier I had, I had not really vetted her further than that. So I was trying to just get different styles, create different things, and they couldn't do something. It's very hard, yeah, as opposed to human hair, because, you know, human hair is um is a raw material, so you can just find brokers. Synthetic products, they are a finished product, because it's a manufactured product. So finding suppliers, there's only a few groups that have a, a lot of those brands. It's very controlled, you know, like we're just trying to hijack the market. That, that's hard. So, yeah, that's when I decided to, we couldn't keep up and people were being upset. What is it? Out of stock, da da da. And I don't know, you know, I just thought I'm going to pose it. And after we did the summer, um, the thing in New York, I was on holiday with my friend who has an app who has raised money. Honestly, it's all what you see. I was on holiday with her and her family together. And she was like, Freddie, like, you, like you need more money, just raise money.
1: You know, she's not even yeah. black. She's oh my! Oh my her. gosh! Honestly, yeah. You know, yeah. and
0: then she was like, and then she, she was like, no, but raise, and she had like raised millions already, and she made it look like, and then like, it was like so she's easy. not, yeah. yeah, like
1: she's normal, like she's my friend, like we just, you know. So I was like, no, okay, just raise, just raise two million dollars, like go on, yeah. Well, the two million was
0: not the, what I was uh, I wanted to do, but you know, after the whole summer. After that, actually, you know, that summer, I spent the whole summer, like, before posing, being like, right, I'm going to go and raise money. That was 2018, because I insist on the dates, because it takes time. 2018, yes. this summer, I was like, I'm going to raise money. And I spent the summer, like, doing my deck and doing my math. And then I was like, shoot, I need one million? Who's going to not laugh at that? And then I wanted to go to New York in, the, in September on my own. I booked myself, like, two weeks and a
1: half in a hotel. Thinking I'm just going to meet investors. Before we get into this, so what you've just said is you couldn't even keep up with demand with your business. It was thriving and doing well, but you actually decided to put it on pause because you kind of were like, no, I need to actually do this better and I need to change something, right? Yeah. And some people won't stop. Some people will continue and keep struggling and actually realizing that that sends your business under. Sometimes you need to kind of like reflect and be like, What am I gonna do now? And that might mean taking a pause on cash, (laughs) and not everyone likes to do that. So go on. You booked a flight. You went to New York for two weeks. Did you have anyone you were meeting up with? (laughs) Three
0: weeks. So so, yeah. So there was this uh, big investor at the time. He just made the news because he was opening this fund for uh, like black women. It was a lot of money and stuff. And I knew because I had like good contacts in in the press world in the U.S. So, uh, thanks to Big Hair Care. Yeah. And then, like, I knew someone who knew him, and she was like, I'm going to introduce you to him. Because I asked her before, can you introduce me? Because you have to be introduced. It's crazy. You can't go to people. Then I also asked my friend to put me, to, uh, to intro me to some that she knew. There was this other girl I put on Instagram, and I knew she was friends with the investors, and she said she would introduce me. So I'm like, yes, I go to New York. Listen, I arrive in New York. The first girl, so, can you... No one, un- no answer, nothing, nothing, she disappeared. And then the second girl I had approached and who said she was going to help me and me to her friend, she was like, first you need to send me your deck. And you know, I was so naive and I was like, yes, of course, and I send it to her. But then she was like, I'm traveling, I can't open it. So I'm not going to pass it on, but to be honest, like hair is uh, saturated, they won't be interested she didn't work in the hair like what did she do and that really broke my spirit i spent so much time crying so when i was there in september my husband was only going to meet me late at the end of the month for a friend's wedding and i was like desperate and i was like you need to come and see me and stuff I'm on my own and it was also our wedding anniversary uh, in september and we're not going to be together but anyway he surprised me and he came and this is crazy the day of our anniversary so we went for a long walk in New York, and then we just get off the street, and I'm just like, I really need to eat, I really need to eat, and I find this place, and just outside, isn't it the guy, this investor, I wanted to go, I went to New York to see, and he's there, and I'm like, Tom, I think that's him, I think that's him, and I show him the photo on my phone, and I'm like, is it the same guy, and is so like, yeah, and i was like, okay, what should I do, and he's like, go and talk to him,
1: and then I'm like, I went to
0: him and it wasn't fun outside the building. And I'm like, hi, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, hi. So I came to New York to see you.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so mad.
0: Like, and then he was like, okay, I'm just going to go. Um, so it was like you know Soul House, and like luckily yeah. I remember because he was like, yeah, I'm going. And then he was like, yeah, like we can speak after. And then he, he had a meeting. I waited for two hours. We were just waiting. We found a, a table next to him. He was going to leave. And then I, I ran after him. And I was like, We're going to hey. talk today. Yeah. yeah. So then got, like, we just like spoke for like a few minutes. And the fact that he didn't look shocked that I was like, I need one million. And he was like, "Yep, yeah, yeah. Very interested. I had never pitched to anyone. That really gave me a lot of confidence. You know, I only ended up raising almost a year later. So at the time, it was okay. still big handle care. It was still trading. But this, I came back and, you know, I uh, it took time to speak with them again, but that gave me such a boost. That's when, like, okay. a month later, I was like, you know what? I'm going to really focus on this. And I like, pulled yeah. big handle care. Because I was like, there's so much that we've learned doing pop-ups in Paris, London, and New York, having, like, so much learnings, And it was a mix of the confidence workshops. And, the like, it was just a mix of everything that, i was about that was what yes. made that brand successful like hair wasn't a hobby it's like the rallying point that's what brings us together and then there's the rest yep. so of that's course. what i wanted this brand to be so i posed but i said to everyone please help me you know i put a questionnaire out there cuz i'm like you're going to i build this product because i'm clueless and i need something simple how can i make it simple yes. for you what can we do and this questionnaire like if, 1,200 people took, and with this, we built Rats one. you know, from the product experience, the customer experience, everything. That's why it's taken us so long to, you know, like yeah. we're about to relaunch, but because it's so hard.
1: Yeah, I love that story and that situation. Do you know what, one thing I haven't, we haven't reflected on or I, I really want to touch on, I feel like I want to touch on your partner because I can hear from your stories how Damn supportive he is. Because if you were in New York, I'm presuming he was with your little one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're out here, he's supportive, he's confident within himself to let his wife do what she's doing and then come and be that rock, you know. I need you to come to New York, support me, be there. How has it been with you know being as ambitious as you are with your partner? Can you share a little if you don't mind? yeah of course honestly i think
0: i would not be where i am if it wasn't for him in the sense that he from the beginning he was like you are magical you're just going to just do amazing thing i can feel it it's kind of like you know like like a bit too excited like he sees me I'm thinking i can do anything and that you know i think that really being with him from the beginning it really allowed me to just breathe and just actually like discover myself you know in relationships people have had before, you're so quick to try to just please them and just make sure that you remain that person that just like pleases them, that they find attractive or I don't know, or that they find all of this. And with him, it was just none of that. It was just him like, yeah. please be yourself. And me. You, okay. <laughs> so no, I would say, no, Tony made like huge sacrifices because when we were in Geneva, you know, so he was an oil trader and, you know, yeah. especially like in Geneva world, like the sun is like yeah, was, completely oh, crazy, <laughs> you know? And I was, not making any money at this stage. And then big handle care, you know, just a few months, three months running, was like going strong. And then the blog, I was just starting to make money. Not masses at all. And then he was like, I was so unhappy in Geneva. He was like, yeah, let's go back to London because I wanted to open the shop. So he left all of that and like, I took a chance. I took a bet, Uh, I took a chance on you. So the whole time that we were, uh, that we moved back because Hugo was, my son was so young. And then that same year, I lost my dad. Um, just when she go turned one, like around the same time, and like, my was my best friend. And like, without, if Tom was like, full time into a job, I don't know how I would have, uh, you know, I wouldn't, like I would disappear I in my room for like And then, just, yeah, and what? And it was, no, all of this that I've been building was just with him. You know, it was also a lot of sacrifice, you know, because sometimes like, I would watch your videos and thinking I'm doing life so wrong because we would not, sorry, like really, um, save, a lot of money because that was part of the investment is like the money that uh we make with like I was like with the blog or the different things was to pay for us to like to leave to continue so you're not saving you're not building because you know that that's kind of like our type of investment and I think that was amazing from him because he's someone that can worry
1: about money and like where are we going and with this it was just like let's go (laughs) (laughs) i love that that is the thing that you need though you i feel like nobody gets anywhere far in life without you need someone you need a team you need the people who are like yeah let's go let's go we're we're on this together that part of that journey with you it's a team thing like for me it's
0: like Let's do something that, like, let's be happy. Let's do something that we love. Like, Tom and I, were like, best friends. We're always hanging out together. Let's just be happy. You know, he's, yes, he's successful. Is he really uh, loving it, having so much fun? Not so much. And, you know, like, by really focusing on what I love, like, we found this, and that works for us. It's like, at the end of the day, you also need to decide how much money do you need. You know, uh, uh, like, we could have two very big, successful, like, careers and big salaries and stuff, but that's not how we want, like, we just like to be around each other. Just, like, live on our own terms and then just, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. I really felt like what I could hear from you speaking is that knowing what it's like, you know, being a mom and being married, yeah. that your partner is with you on the journey. And I think for me as well, like, my husband is there every step of the way when I'm like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> He's, like, picking me up. He's like, no, come on. Come on, you can do it. He's there to like help me. And I feel like without that emotional support, I don't think I would have been able to achieve a lot of what I've achieved. So I'm very grateful to my husband and I'm presuming you're the same and how good he is in my kids. Yeah.
0: I think it's important because, you know, I really like feel you in the sense that I think, you know, like I've been watching you along the years and stuff. And, and I think like, sometimes I feel difficult because people always have opinion and things to say, you know, also like we're African and like, you know, I've had like an aunt once told me, you know, just like, it's good to be this ambitious, but you know, basically like your, you know, like make sure that your husband like doesn't walk away or, you know, things like that. As if like, like, like sometimes we just like ruin it for, our, for, for each other, like, and see male's ego, as, like, more fragile than what that person is, you know? It's like, why do we do this thinking?
1: Like, my husband is fine. And it's like, I think people assume that a strong man is because, like, he works and, you know, he doesn't cook and you come home and you serve him. Like, a good man is a man who can wake up in the middle of the night and look after your baby because you're tired. Like that's the, that's to me is a good man. Or he can hold down the thought, he can emotionally support you and be strong. He can work, you know, he can do so many different things. And I think men are told that they have to be one way, and there's so many ways that a man can be that is works in unison to help a woman as well. But I'm really with you. And
0: even then, you know, like that's his child so it, it's not like oh he can be supportive etc there's the thing i think that sometimes we don't realize that we don't allow men to feel human like to be human how can we do their thinking by just like thinking they don't want to cook they don't want to do this they don't want to do that imagine actually like how
1: many men must live like unhappy within themselves because they <laughs> just want to just they to want to yeah. yeah and for me like, that's they want to the hang answer. around at home with the baby
0: for me, that's the ultimate confidence, especially like when I see my husband. So now, especially like, you know, like we moved to, you know, like we moved to New York at some point. So visa-wise, can't even work. So that's out of the question. And for him, actually, like really found himself after the busy, like oil uh, world, very masculine and toxic and stuff. Actually, like he's such a nurturer and just like just doing him, looking after his family and isn't. A lot more is a better cook than me. He couldn't do pancakes a year ago. Now he's like just like sleeping down and all of this, and all of the things he's doing. And you know, he's happy.
1: I'm happy. We're happy.
0: And I just encourage people to do them.
1: Yeah. I think that yeah, women have to look at there's so many different ways that men should be. And I think function relationship doesn't look just the way that it's portrayed in society like there's so many different ways that there's functioning relationships so thank you thank you plus like money follows
0: alignment you know if you're aligned like you know like it's almost impossible
1: to not get rewarded no it's true if you can you say that again please that that line that you just said like we need to repeat this one say it again that's like money follows alignment. Is that, is that Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I believe in
0: that. For me, it's all I need to do. It's like I need to just stay aligned with my heart, my soul, do what makes me happy, what brings me joy, and I'm looked after. I know in the future, like, everything is going to make sense.
1: Okay, so how did you get this round of seed funding? So, obviously, you went to New York you thought about it, you came back, you put it on pause, you re-improved your deck and your strategy and then you went at it again. What was this current process?
0: Yeah, so this actually, I just thought, so first I paused because I had no care. You know, for me, it's very hard to just be running something and it it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore and I wanted this to be bigger than her and I wanted this to be You know, to also have access to the best suppliers and manufacturers, like you need money, otherwise they're not going to look at you. So for me, the focus was that and building really what's behind, like what's the, like the product is one thing, that's not the brand, that's not what makes it last. It's like what's the intention? I'm really, really intention led because when it comes to business, I have such a strong imposter syndrome you know, I'm going to look at how everyone is doing and then I'm not doing this. So if I follow my intention, that's a good compass. And why am I doing this? Actually, the path it took me, I would say, so, you know, I posed around October, January. I started to really like put myself, okay, let's rethink. And I went out to raise in June. So like for the, all of those months, I would say actually, you know, 60% of that was, uh, working on myself, like really. Oh my God! Never, like I feel sorry for the trees because all of the journals that were written. I just went <laughs> back in time, nineteen eighty-seven. Birth. <laughs> just, just, yeah. just yeah. went and just like look at all of it and just like clean everything. It's like if you're going to go there, you have to go light. And then really like build myself and also like with this everything I would find, I would put it into the brand, the intention, what brought my community how i build this community what big handle care was a success what people loved and just put it into this i keep asking people and try to find suppliers and yeah meet people and then yeah like get
1: this deck together so when you went to investors you had your deck you had your suppliers you had your plan and you basically needed the investors to believe in your ability to execute that plan Exactly.
0: And I had also sort of like, you know, I had an MVP, right? Because we run Big Handle Care for like 15 months. So I had those insights to come. And it was very like fortunate. I don't know if you agree with me. I feel like the brands for around black beauty that we've grown up with, they've always come from the US. I think like having a beauty brand coming from Europe and having more of this global diaspora centric approach is something that We'd benefit from everyone, you know, like Black Americans as well. They want to get to know more of the Black Europeans and Black Africans. Like this whole triangle is starting again, but in like in the healing form. So it's all of that. I think the investors, like they really love that approach. So it was kind of like telling the uh, suppliers, I'm going to raise money. And then telling the investors, I have a supplier. And then because we had to product develop. And with the supplier, literally, like when you do synthetic, if you buy those hair products, you can only buy uh, most of the time what's on a catalog, right? Like, you know, it's kind of like white label. You can't design it. And at the, we managed to get at the design level and really improve and create something innovative only because we were backed by the money, but also because we had this track record of like big hair care and we could show the community, the this and that.
1: While you've been working, I've noticed that you've been less visible on social media. So you don't post you know, as consistently as Freddie, but that's because I'm presuming you've put your time elsewhere. Can you share a little bit about how you feel about taking a step back from social media? I think social media will rob you of your time and everything else. It's dangerous. It
0: was a big bet early last year because I took a lot less uh, collaborations to really be into building this and and I didn't know if I was going to raise the money. This was the hardest, because you have nothing coming in and you're living on what's left and thinking we're gonna, because my thing is like, if I raise the money, then I have a team and even I can have a salary, et cetera. So I kind of like, okay, just do that. But also I find, and a lot of people are not like that, but for me, it's like noise. I just get overstimulated very quickly. I get overwhelmed very quickly social media, as much as I can work on my confidence, I can look at even like someone like you, you know, even if you're not having a great day or whatever, I don't know that, you know, I'm just going to like look at the photo and see like, you're on holiday, this person is doing this, this, that, this, that. And you see, and then you just end up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling in like two hours, three hours I've gone. And I find that the noise stays in your head. My audience is a lot smaller than you. It's not even comparable, but even I, I felt often, I ask myself, Am I meant to receive so much feedback about myself on a daily basis? I, I don't think that I'm meant to do that. Like, even the compliments, you know, it's, it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. But I'm not meant to just hear so much about myself from other people every day. That becomes a problem. Because then, I don't know, like, you kind of miss that noise to function. But
1: it blocks you from functioning. I don't know. I don't like talking to you, Freddie, because you're speaking the truth right now. It's so, I don't want to hear this. I really don't want to hear this because I know this is the truth and this is a fact. And actually on a personal note, I know for what I want to do, I'm already saying no to collaborations. And I know that my season of stepping back is going to come or has to come. And I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. Like, can I handle this? Can I do it? And so for me, hearing you say, you know what, I'm going to take my step back is actually such a sign of strength because We all want to be visible, we don't want to disappear, but you know, you disappeared and you've raised capital and are about to launch something absolutely amazing. It's so hard, you need validation, like you get hooked on validation like without
0: knowing it, or you just, you always want to know what other people are doing. Like what they're doing, and actually, it's, but then it was first, the first step is to allow it to not matter, so first it's hard, you need to just allow it, I was, what at first I was like, I was saying, this person has now more, a lot more followers than I had then, oh, now she's getting contract with this and that, and you just, I had to allow it, don't matter, don't matter, like, it doesn't matter, just, you know, you think you're going to disappear if you say no to this collaboration, and no, and they're going to, they're going to find someone else, Because also at the time, I felt like I was doing very well. I don't know why. Like, I was getting, like, given my following and stuff, I think it's because I'm French. It's like my privilege here as a Black.
1: No, but also you're an amazing personality as well. Like, let's never give it a reason. There's a reason why you are where Mm -mm. you are. But yeah, but like, I'm with you. It's so
0: hard. And I can only imagine how it is for you because you have such a big platform.
1: I have this theory like you have to be willing and ready to lose it all to actually get what you actually want like this level, this is strength strength is being able to say I can lose it all it's powerful I have this section in the podcast called drop and give me 20 I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions as well. So let's get into this. Well, I feel like we just talked on some powerful topics. I need to go and turn my social media off right now (laughs) Um, and focus and focus because I know there's so many things that I've been wanting to do. I just haven't done yet. Paris or London? London. French or English? English. The hardest lesson you've learned in the last year is?
0: Don't hide your magic. Don't try to hide.
1: You're most yourself when you are? With my husband and my best friends at home. The one thing that helps you feel confident is? The fact that there might be a tomorrow. You get out of your head by? Journaling. If you could be one other person for the day, who would that be? No, no one. It's like, sorry, it has to be me. I'm committed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm committed. <laughs> you feel the most beautiful when? When I'm happy. Your favorite hairstyle? Bigger hair. The last time you felt genuinely nervous? Yesterday? Today? I think it's a daily thing. (laughs) Let's roll with it. (laughs) Your favorite kind of workout is? Stretching. The thing that keeps you grounded is? Meditating. You stick to your goals by? By visualizing what
0: I want. Like, you know, like just like seeing myself in this situation that keeps me going. Your favorite book of all time is? The Seat of the Soul by
1: Gary Zoukav. Your mission for Rad Swan is?
0: It's to become the leading conscious beauty and lifestyle brand for the global African diaspora. To completely upgrade the
1: market and just to, yeah, like set us free. But this is a what's in my wallet. So I'm going to ask you questions that are super money based. So your wallet is venture backed. Can you tell the listeners about venture capital and what people need to think before they think about venture funding? Uh, The
0: thing you need to know about venture funding is that if you take the money, you need to exit at some point, which means that you're not going, it's not a business you're going to run for 50 years and et cetera. You know, it it needs to exit. I would say it's like being in bed with uh, people. They're like your business partners as investors. You also really want to do your due diligence and wonder if these are the people you want to work long-term with. It's not just money, it never is. Yeah, and then I would just say, are you really, really, really answering a problem and how committed are you to really upgrade the experience or the product because you're going to need this to keep you going um, because it just gets so hard and yeah, a lot of
1: responsibilities. How are you managing the $2 million? <laughs> What's left of it? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> she spent it all. She spent
0: it all. <laughs> Listen, no? Salary is a lot. Inventory. And also, like, time. You, you know, like, also, like, raising money, it also allows you to um, to take the time to really build what you do and not to just be stopped by that because, you know, time is money. It also allows you to make mistakes and still be able to keep going. And mistakes have been made wrong people have been trusted uh so all of those things you know that kind of but that's that but like but yeah i would say and then like just time you know we had like over a year of a development like beginning you know, like since raising the money like over a year before making any form of revenue
1: yeah which is very normal in this space for sure what helps you stay in your finances every day so do you have an app or wallet or something you do no so you
0: really put me to shame so when it comes to the business side of things i'm very very like i'm very good uh you know like you have all of those different apps and stuff but they're really because we are like an american company they're kind of like u.s bank u.s stuff um, and then really linked to startups, but like automating a lot is something that really for me makes a, a big difference. I have the I'm lucky that I really understand money and finance and business plan and because I did a business school. But then like personal finance, <laughs> I would say I very believe that being happy, be, being comfortable, being in a good thing really brings a lot out of me as well. So I'm not the best uh, planning ahead. I like to just, but I'm not a big spender either. I can tell you're not a big spender. No, yeah, no,
1: but I'm not a budgetary though. Oh <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was your most expensive fashion purchase?
0: When I went to Italy two years ago in a Prada outlet, I bought this like uh, trench coat for like four hundred euros, I think, because it was a very good deal. I think that's the most I've ever put into something. And then I was sweating <laughs> and it's like and then like last last month because I felt fancy, uh, I bought two, there's this Freaking designer with those two things and they were 250 each like two like, like sort of dress and tunics and i just also felt like i was what are you doing and uh, <laughs> yeah and then yeah
1: it's that's the max i've never spent more than that you're not you're not too bad you're not too bad no cheap is good cheap that's is cheap good. okay it's because in french no this
0: is in french all of those Geaux, the chanel you know, like I went to school, like I went to business school with their ass. They treated me like I was nothing. So now I'm like, I'm not giving you money.
1: <laughs> what I love to get from someone who comes on is a takeaway. Do you have anything that you think my our listeners should take from your life and your experiences?
0: I would say um, if you're uncomfortable, always chase. Why is that? And just, don't accept anything negative, any negative thoughts from yourself. Like you really have to make sure that you are in there for yourself. Investigate why you're unhappy, why you're uh, frustrated, why you're angry. You're going to find all of the answers. And then last thing, if you come on a podcast with Patricia, don't wear
1: something where you're going to sweat and have like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't, we can't see it. We. Can't. Oh, we can't not... see it. Because your shirt's white, so I can't see anything. <laughs> I really see your lights Oh no, we can't see anything. Maybe it's on your camera, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Freddie. Where can people find you?
0: Add Freddie Harold on Instagram. When I'm around, don't expect me
1: to just be around <laughs> because you're bu- you're busy. <laughs> I'm busy. Yes, yeah, you do exactly. find me, but I'm on, on Instagram, that. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, and we're not done yet. If you like what you've heard and want to hear more, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whatever you're listening on. If you like the Court Off Guard podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Please share the podcast on your social media or in your WhatsApp groups and let me know your thoughts on what we've discussed using the hashtag Court Off guard pod. Follow me and The Break on Instagram and YouTube and you can just Google me. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps more people find us. And I'd love to know what future guests you'd like me to interview and what topics you'd like us to discuss. So keep all your suggestions coming. I read all your comments and I really appreciate your feedback and support. So until next time... Caught Off Guard, presented by The Break Platform, is an independent podcast created and hosted by Patricia Bright. The producer and executive producer is Clarissa Pappy.